This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome into another edition of Bragging Rights, previewing the conferences as we get ready to look at the 2022 season, or I should say, we are currently looking at the 2022 season before we kick off the season. It's fast approaching. We are almost in August, people. Uh, from the outside, I have to say that uh, you didn't get an episode last week. I, I totally fumbled there. It was my birthday, and I just it got caught up. So you're going to get a second episode. This is the second episode of the week. So if you missed our one previously, we previewed the Big 12 uh, that came out on Tuesday. So this is your second preview of the week. Uh, and we will keep this rolling. We're about halfway through, and we're starting to finally get to the good stuff. And no no knocking the Pac-12 or the Big 12, but we're finally starting to get to the teams that feels like there's a little bit of stake involved in who could potentially make the playoffs. Uh, before we get into uh, previewing everything ACC, I need to introduce my co-host. I'm Madison, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. You hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, this is going to be a little bit more. It just feels comfortable. It's, it's something that I think we both know a little bit more about. We're kind of in that region. I know a lot about the Big 12, which is what we covered last week, and y'all will get this week. But, you know, when, when going through that, there were so many people that had left these schools that, you know, it was almost like half the team was new. So it was a lot of breaking down, a lot of breaking down new people coming over, new coaches, and 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 so on and so forth. So now I will say, with that being said, ACC had some coaching changes as well, so excited to dive into that. Uh, but this is a little more tried and true. We know this, so excited to jump in. It's a crummy day weather-wise outside, so um, talking about this will kind of take me to another place uh, where it's warm and, and and sunny. Yeah, they did have quite a few coaching changes, to your point, Pierce. Um, you know, this is one of those conferences that, much like the Big 12, uh, you know, has had a supreme leader, if you will, at the top of everything, uh, that just basically is your, um, I mean, I, when I was doing my research peers, 2010 was the last time that someone other than Clemson or FSU won the ACC. Uh, and that was Virginia tech, I believe. And since then, um, you know, uh, I mean, FSU won four of those, but Clemson won six of them. And last year was the first time there was a shakeup. So this became a more interesting conference. I'll be inter- interested to see um, with some of those changes that have been made, if it continues to be interesting and we start you know, seeing more parity or this continues to, or it rather bounces back to what we're used to seeing, which is, whoops, that's my phone dropping, uh, whether we, it jumps back to it being Clemson and everyone else. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see. But some, some of these schools making moves hoping uh, to get back to the level that they once were at or hope to get to a point where they are uh, more challenging for the conference title. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything major news-wise. Not really. I mean... Uh, I got I got something. Uh, a couple What's things, that? actually. You know, just a little preview here. Maybe not preview, but just a little spoiler um, for people that may not be as familiar with the ACC. One of the things that was interesting in doing my research... Um, for a, for a conference that wasn't all that great last year, uh, yeah, you had some of the middle middle of the pack teams play really well and and kind of elevate themselves to that upper tier. 
they had a lot of guys leave, especially uh, offensive and defensive coordinators. So for a league that you looked at last year and thought they were down, a lot of high-profile assistant coaches went elsewhere to take on bigger and better roles. So something interesting, maybe that's a sign of things to come here for the ACC. Um, you know, Maybe they weren't that bad last year. They just kind of cannibalized themselves. And last but not least, you know what we're doing this week, baby. We're bringing back the toughest last name for me to pronounce, Phil oh. Jerkovic. <laughs> So, well, I'm sure I'll pronounce it 25 times and I'll get it wrong 95% of the time. So bear with me. It's your, we have it is jerk. It's Jerkovic. Cause I think because I always want to say Jerkovic, Jerkovic, and it's not, I think it's Jerkovic, Phil Jerkovic. Well, that's what, what we're going to roll here with at Bragging Rights. If we're wrong, and we do this every year, every year. And I, you know what? I, it's funny. I actually made a note to myself because they are the first team we're about to preview. I actually made a note to myself when I was making my notes like, hey, go listen to people pronounce his name. And I forgot to do that. And then when you said that, I was like, oh, crap, because I'm going to have to yeah. say it here. I always screwed up as well. You know, when you a, a word and the definition, it tells you how to pronounce it. It like spells it out perfectly for you. You know, that, I need to do that. And I need to put it next to every time in my notes. Bold and underlined it to try to tell myself, hey, slow down, say it right, but inevitably, you know me. Well, let's just jump to the point, Pierce, and our first school that we're going to be previewing here in the ACC is Boston College. Um, they finished 2021 six and six, a very mixed bag year for them. Kind of disappointing considering their talent, Phil Dracovic, uh, and some of the, you know, the, the the ball that we were hoping to see from them, but he was the veteran QB, he was battling a hand injury that limited him to just six games in 2021. His backup, Dennis Grossel, Grossel, uh, I think it's Grossel, he was extremely inconsistent. He actually had a better pass percentage uh, completion rate than Phil, but he just also was, you know, super spotty and was was likely to throw interceptions. So hopefully if Phil stays healthy, that should help the Golden Eagles this year. Their defense, Pierce, last year was fourth in the ACC, which is promising like I said, if that offense can stay healthy, uh, I like the fact that their defense did so well in the ACC. Um, but they do have a very perilous schedule in 2022. They have trips to Virginia Tech, FSU, NC State, and Notre Dame this year. So it's going to be an uphill battle for them. But I, when I was doing my research, I saw lots of comparisons um, between Phil Dracovic and Kenny Pickett, who, of course, mm-hmm. went first round this last year in the, in the NFL draft to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that bodes well for them. Didn't necessarily deliver for Pitt last year, uh, but we'll see if it helps the Golden Eagles at all. Uh, their over-under win total is six and a half. So you know, odds makers in Vegas are saying, hey, around about what they did last year. Um, I think that seems manageable for them, but what about you? Yeah, you literally kind of – I'm looking at my points right now, and you pretty much hit the nail on the head with every one. Um, I mean, listen – the, the schedule is going to be difficult, but I think I, I, I've told you we've looked at each other the last two previews when we've gotten to this team, and and not just us, but other people have said that they really like this team to do a lot of, to have a promising season. It feels like people have pulled back on that, and it's surprising because uh, Dracovic is back along with 14 starters. That's massive. You hit the nail on the head with the defensive side of things. They returned 11 of the top 15 tacklers from last uh, last year's team, so I think the defense will be improved. And it comes down to the health. It comes down to can can Phil Jerkovic stay healthy? He does play a little bit like Kenny Pickett. That's actually a fantastic uh, comparison from the standpoint of he's a he's a above average to good, really good passer. But he's got some sneaky wheels on him, some sneaky athleticism. 
we need to see how he manages the, the running aspect of things because that's where he can he, – he's, he's a bigger-bodied guy, and he doesn't like to slide a lot. So he takes big hits. Can he stay healthy? Because I think if he does, he's got a lot of weapons. I mean, Zay Flowers at wide receiver is, is one of the better receivers in the ACC. He's got a couple good offensive linemen. Running back Pat Garwo is, is slated to be a second-team All-ACC this year. Um, so he's got weapons there, which is awesome. Um, defensively, got some studs uh, at really at all positions. Marcus Valdez at DN, Josh DeBerry at linebacker, and Jaden Woodby, to name a few. I like this team to go over. Now, could could with that tough schedule, if Djokovic go, does go down, that has zero shot to, to hit. But if Djokovic stays healthy, this is a team that's primed to make a couple upsets in those four games that you mentioned, even though they have to go on the road. Notre Dame's not as good this year. NC State looks like they should compete for the title, yet when they have expectations, they struggle. So I, I like this Boston College team. It's going to come down to the health, and uh, Phil Dracovic, uh is going to have to stay healthy, uh, numero uno. Uh, but I like Boston College, so I'll take the over six and a half here. All right. So far, we're going over. We'll see if that trend continues. Uh, the Clemson Tigers are next, Pierce. It feels kind of odd to go with like the the favorite first, but we're going in alphabetical order here. Clemson had a 10-3 and three season last year, which it, all things considered is a good season, but uh, it was a down year for them. Despite that, uh, they ended their six-year streak of making the playoffs, and the first time they haven't reached the ACC championship since 2014, like I said, uh, we'll preview that when we talk about uh, some teams later on about, you know, what happened there. But, that you know, seeing some fresh blood, Clemson's chokehold over the conference definitely was let up a little bit last year, even though they still were pretty dominant. The more intriguing storyline, Pearson, you kind of hinted at this in the intro. This is the first time that we're going to have seen both coordinator positions open or, or turned over rather at Clemson. They've done a really good job of retaining both Brent Venables and Tony Elliott. And that's something that can't be said for the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Georgias of the world. They see a lot more turnover and somehow, some way Dabo, you know, came in and told Clemson, one thing is I want to have consistency at the coordinator position. They're going to be the best paid in the country. And they've stayed until this past season. Uh, obviously Brent Venables, now the head coach, at Oklahoma, Tony Elliott taking over at UVA. So we're going to see two new coordinators breaking in at Clemson. But that being said, they have one of the better rosters in the country. So they've got a lot to work with as long as there's, you know, it's, you know, a cohesive locker room, I should say. Despite all that, Pierce, despite all of the newness and everything, and, and you know, hopefully DJ Uyunglele has a better year because he definitely disappointed last year following up for Trevor Lawrence the year prior they're still probably going to bounce back in the ACC. Um, like I said, a lot of people in the middle are hoping to compete, but Clemson still is Clemson. They get the best recruiting classes in the nation behind a couple other people. Um, I, I would assume we're probably going to see them back in the hunt, if not fully in the playoffs. Uh, and their over-under win total is 10.5. So it's a, that's a big one, but it is Clemson, and they've been really dominant in a somewhat down conference the past decade. Man, I'm actually surprised to hear the ten and a half. Uh, it's refreshing. I don't think we've had over a nine and a half uh, uh, over under yet. In the I don't think we have conferences. either. I think Oklahoma might have been the best at nine and a half, um, mm -hmm. and maybe that was even at eight and a half. I don't know. But yeah, you know, looking at Clemson's schedule this year, they 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 avoid that first big game of the season, which they had last year in Georgia. And as much I'm not making excuses for Clemson last year, but I've seen you see it a lot when you have two good teams going up against each other. Even even though you might feel good about what you have, even if you're experienced, 
that first game of the season, you learn a lot. A lot of things don't go your way and you've got to figure out how to, you know, which pieces work, which pieces don't, how to cut, you get over it. You know, you learn throughout the season, each game you play. Losing a game like that can really, really hit you hard. Um, and I think we saw a little bit of that with Clemson last year. Something interesting when you look at this team, last year they were 115th in experience coming back. This year they're 40th. That's a massive deal for them. Here's another big thing. I think Dewey, uh, Dewey, DJ Uyunglele will take a step. Dewey will take a step up. But here's another thing. He's got a backup true freshman in Cade Klubnik, who, in all the All Star games where he's competing against the other best high school teams, he looked pretty darn good. So he'll have that guy pushing him, as well as the Clemson coaches will have that ability to. Oh man, DJ got a little dinked up, or maybe you know is forcing things. Let's 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 see what Cade can do here. And I'm not saying if that happens, that's not a great thing for their over ten and a half. But if this kid turns out, which they all think he's going to be a star. I mean, that you might have a, a stud waiting in the wings now. So you've got two options there, and options are always a good thing, um, in my opinion. They got the best D-line in the country. I mean, that's that's well-known. They probably had the best D-line in the country last year, even with Georgia, um, and that's saying a lot. They had a lot of guys go down. Brian Brissy, obviously Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas, Rookie, or Horhoro, I'm sorry, I, I butchered that, but um, they've got a lot of good defensive linemen. They have really stacked up at that position. Interesting to see how they are on offense. That's obviously the biggest thing because if DJ takes a, 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 I'd say just a slight step up, I, I look for Will Shipley to be a little bit better this year. He's slated to be the number one running back in the ACC, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. But again, if they can figure out the offensive linemen, uh, this team, this team's going to be right back in the playoff hunt again this year. And like I said. They replace Georgia with Furman and Louisiana Tech and start with a cupcake in Georgia Tech. So I, it's it, it's weird. I, I'm going to take the under here, okay? I'm going to go 10. But would it surprise me if they went 12-0? and 0? Not a, No way. Nope, I would not be surprised at all. I just think that they will have a slip-up. DJ won't play super well. Maybe it's the Notre Dame game. Um, and so that gets them to 11 and I think they slip up once more. Um, you know, maybe it's an NC state, although they do get NC state at home and they've got revenge on their mind. So maybe it's not that one. I do think they get, they slip up twice. So I think they're 10 and two teams. So give me the under, but probably the least confident pick I've, I've made in the three conferences we've covered thus far. Yeah, 10 and a half is a lot, no matter who it is. So probably a safe bet there, despite I think Clemson bouncing back this season. And, so. and let me add one more thing. It's kind of like, Alabama last year um they had I think their over under was 11 and you knew or 11 and a half you knew okay one game they're good to lose one game you know Bama does go undefeated from time to time but they generally they do lose one game then it's like okay well then they just have to get upset once and 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 I think that's where I am with Clemson right now I'll take my chances on that upset that second upset but um it's going to be a sweat all season as long as that upset is against FSU, then I'm fine by it. Uh, let's change our attention over to the Duke Blue Devils. Not that Duke has ever been a formidable power in football, Pierce, but a 3-9 and nine season in 2021, uh, despite his you know inheriting a terrible program and turning it around, making, I think, 10 bowl games while he was there. It was finally enough for David Cutcliffe to, uh, to be out at head coach there. <coughs> Excuse me. And Durham, North Carolina. So in with Texas A&M defensive coordinator Mike Elko, 
They also had a fair amount of turnover as, you know, with the transfer portal age, that's going to happen on your roster when you have a coaching switch up. Uh, So between transfers and graduations to the NFL and otherwise, it's going to lead, could potentially lead to a long season in 2022. I know you've got some names to throw out. I'm not going to highlight too many names because I'm going to leave that up to you. But uh, it's, you know, there. I, I just was looking through when I was looking at my preview stuff and it just was like, you know, notable name, notable name, notable name. So that's going to be tough for them. Like I said, new regime, you know, even though David Cutcliffe did turn around a team that wasn't, you know, was really a dumpster fire. I mean, they just want to play basketball there really, honestly. Uh, you know, you, you, Mike Elko's got his work cut out for him still, uh, over under wind total reflects that three and a half. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hammering this under, um, I, I, I legitimately Ooh. only see, I legitimately only see one win on their schedule. Um, and that's against North Carolina A&T. I don't see them. I mean, I, again, we're not going to be previewing Temple. So maybe I should have done my research on them. That's the opening game for Duke. Maybe that's a win. I really don't see another win on their schedule outside those two. Um, a strange a strange move in the offseason. Listen, I think it was a good call to get rid of Cutcliffe. Um, things had gotten a little stale there. He had had a couple good years, you know, four or five years back or three or four years ago. And it just seemed like he wasn't going to get any more. And, and the writing was on the wall. The hire, though, was perplexing to me. I, I knew about Mike Elko, but I never thought A&M was a world beaters on defense. And for him to get a head coaching gig seems weird to me. Um, you know, I think he could have held out another year or two. I mean, think about this. He holds out a year or two and A&M goes on to make the playoffs. That guy could get almost any job he wants. So I don't understand going to a coaching graveyard like Duke. Um, Vandy's a similar one. You know, there are a few programs throughout the country like that. He's only returning 11 starters. They lost their top QB, their top running back, and their top receiver. That does not bode well. Um, they do have a couple good offensive linemen and Graham Barton and Jacob Monk. But, you know, if you don't have any skill players, you know, are, are, is an offensive line really going to be that that important for you? I don't know. Um, and then defensively, you know, they've got a couple good players in Dwayne Carter and Shaco Hayward. This is a rebuilding year. If Cutcliffe, if they didn't feel good about Cutcliffe, you know, having, you know, producing some magic with this team. I don't see it with Mike Elko in his first year as a head coach. I think they struggle. Give me the under three and a half. Well, sorry, Duke fans out there. That's uh, depressing to say the least. Another depressing team. And I can say that as a uh, former Florida State student, the Knowles still struggling to return to any kind of prominence since the departure of Jimbo Fisher and the ill-fated Willie Taggart experience. They went five and seven in 2021, including a humiliating loss, emphasis on humiliating to FCS team Jacksonville State. Add that to the fact that both Florida and Miami have made new coaching hires that seem to be gaining some momentum, at least for Miami. I do think the Florida hire is going to end up being pretty good as well. I don't know if it's going to last, you know, forever, but. I think that they both went out and made good hires. So that's also difficult. You know, they're, you know, it's a three, it's a, it's really honestly a, a, we've never had all three programs be good at the same time. There's always been one that's the best one that's chasing and then one that's really down. So I'm a little bit worried about Florida state getting left in the arms race there. Um, I think that between the momentum that these other two programs seem to be gaining uh, or the, the nervousness that you could be left in the dust, plus a, uh, you know, it's it's always going to be a somewhat daunting schedule because you pull Clemson and you pull Florida, um, but you know they don't necessarily have anybody crazy. I don't think non conference wise, but still it is a simmering hot seat for Mike Norvell as he enters I think his fourth season. 
there in Tallahassee. A uh, little bit of re- room for some cautiously optimistic, you know, attitudes. Jordan Travis threw for over a thousand yards in 2021. He also ran for their 500. Uh, so that's decent. Uh, you know, that, that's pretty good he numbers. Was hurt, right? I'm not gonna lie. Didn't he get uh, yeah, hurt I mean, for well, a he, of time? They've had line issues forever. That guy is on his butt more than anybody in the yeah. freaking NCAA. Uh, they will play. Uh, oh, I'm loving zero. this. The passion coming out right now from you is well, awesome. I, I love this. It's not even passion. It's just the fact that I'm more interested and know more about what's happening with them. Uh, they do mm-hmm. play Pierce in week zero to start the 2022 season versus Duquesne. Then they go to Baton Rouge, or no, I'm sorry, not Baton Rouge, to New Orleans to take on LSU. So I actually think that bodes decently well for them because they'll have already kind of gotten to work out the kinks a little bit. They'll know what they're what they're uh, you know dealing with, if you will, whereas Brian Kelly at uh, LSU might have a little bit more rust to bang out. Over under win total is six and a half, which means they would be gold, b- going bowling, I think, for the first time with Mike Norvell uh, since he got there. Um, it's certainly a far cry from 2013, but we'll see. I, I, I hope 2022 is better for them, but you know, you might be dashing my hopes and dreams here in a second with uh, more of your no, no uh, knowledge of the X's and O's. You know, this is a strange team, um, and here's why. A lot of People that I trust that know a lot about college football, um, along with, you know, the 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 you know, breaking news or the, you know, the Bibles as I like to call it, with it, whether it's Phil Phil Steele, Athlon, a lot of those, a lot of people I trust are saying Florida State is gonna have a better season this year. And that makes total sense to me. They return sixteen t- starters. It's year four of Norvell's system. If he doesn't get it this year, I don't think he'll ever get it at Florida State. Um, you, you're right. The, the tough schedule is unfortunate for them. Here's the, you, you brought up a great point. If they beat LSU in week two, they could, they could, you could see a good season from this FSU team. Here's my only concern. Okay. When going through, and I know, I know, I know preseason all Americans aren't necessarily the end all be all, but I went through this team looking at some of their star players that are slated to get t- first, second, third, fourth in the ACC, all American or all, uh, all conference. They only had four. You look at a lot of the other play, other teams, and they—I mean, heck, even Boston College had like six or seven. Um, so I, maybe they're maybe they got some guys that will be there. At, I mean, I don't know. This is a, just a weird team to put my to, to to really break down because I do think they'll be better. I think this offense under Norvell ought to be more like what Norvell ran at Memphis. Defensively, they do return eight starters. So they should be as good as last year, if not better. They do lose. Um, they lose the kid out of that transfer from Georgia. I'm going blank on his name right now. This is embarrassing. But a DN who was the leading sack leader and the player of the year in the ACC. Um, so that certainly hurts. But this team brings back so much. They ought to be better. I, I do think they make a bowl this year. I do. I don't know if they get over six and a half. Um, there's a lot of middling teams. You know, you throw it out: NC State, Boston College, uh, Wake Forest, Miami, Florida State where it's like any of these teams could be any of them at any given day. So one thing I've learned with Norvell and FSU over the last seven years is they're very inconsistent, and that scares me taking over. I'm going to go under here. I think they get to a bowl. I think they win six games, which I think would be um, you know, a positive season for Norvell. I also think he could get to seven or eight. My only worry is if they start out in a bad spot, Norvell could be gone by the end of October. Um, so it's kind of feast or famine with this team. But I do look for them to make a bowl this season and improve on last year. Will it be enough to keep Norvell's job? I don't know. He's had a lot to rebuild. But I do think this team will be better. I mean, making a bowl would be something that I'll take. So, I mean, 
losing to Jacksonville State was a was a new here's, low. But here's another hey, thing. I almost was you there. FSU. You know, for what it's worth, Pierce, I was there a few years ago. <sighs> I guess Willie Taggart would have been the coach. I don't remember. It was it was a while ago, but they almost lost to Samford. Do you know how humiliating <laughs> that was to watch my alma mater that I transferred to, and I was sitting there with all of my friends, and they were like, "Is this going to happen?" And I'm the only person at FSU colors at the freaking game. Luckily, it didn't well, and, happen. And, but, and, then, and they basically did the same crap last year with Jacksonville State. So, you know, and that's Mike Norvell's third season. And people thought he, he, this is a big improvement from Taggart. So a lot of, lot of just head scratching going on down there. Uh, let me ask you this. When obviously when FSU was great, when you were there, it was uh, it was Winston. Jam, uh, Jamar, uh, Jameis. Yeah. Jameis. Thank you. I kept wanting to say Jabo, his, his uh, nickname. Uh, Winston <laughs> was there, but. What has FSU almost always had when they've had good teams? It's been good skill players, especially right. a running back. And they're only two preseason all-conference players. One's an offensive guard and the other's a tight end. So I, I'm sure they'll have athletes. It's Florida State. It's just A, you know, if there's three layers. Can the offensive line keep the quarterback off his behind? And can the quarterback is get the ball? Is he good enough to get the ball to the weapons? And are there weapons? So a lot of question marks here. I know 16 starters return, um, but it's just this might be one where I make this prediction of under six and a half, and I'm probably it's probably my worst pick um, to date in the conferences. I, you know, it, it could go. They could win three games. They could win nine. I, there's a big margin there. I hope it's nine. All right, let's ch- uh, turn our attention to the school that uh, I am now becoming more acquainted with here living in Atlanta, if only because I'm surrounded by Yellow Jackets. That's never been the case. I don't know if I could have named more than two people who were Yellow Jacket fans prior to living in Atlanta. Now I'm like, what the heck is that? You guys actually choose to cheer for this team? The Rambling Wreck, they finished 2021 with a 3-9 and nine record. There were some flashes of promise, Pierce. There was a road win over Duke and an upset victory over a ranked UNC. But they closed out the season losing to Notre Dame and Georgia by a 100-0 to margin. Now, obviously, Georgia is an in-state rival. They went on to win the national championship. Notre Dame had a decent season last year as well, but that is ridiculously embarrassing. There was the few years ago when Dabo and company came to town and they pulled Trevor Lawrence after he threw for 404 yards exactly, which is the area code here in Atlanta. So it's been they've been pretty bad and pretty embarrassing for a while we knew it would be a bit of a transition from them coming out of the triple option, but uh, it's it's not working. Jeff Collins in, uh, has had some weird tactics he's brought out, and I just don't know if he truly gets it. But beyond that, schools are still coming into Atlanta and, and his backyard and taking whoever they want out of his city. Things may not get better in 2022 either with a brutal schedule, including a season opener versus Clemson, a non-conference matchup, versus Ole Miss, and a road trip to Orlando to take on UCF. Their over-under win total is three and a half, just like Duke's. So if you're a Yellow Jacket fan, I don't really know what to tell you other than maybe this is the year Jeff Collins is gone and maybe you go make a better hire. That's that's kind of the uh, the hope, I guess, if you're, if you're a Georgia Tech fan. What was the over-under again? Three and a half. Three and a half, man, that's close because I do think they get to three wins this year. I think they pull off an upset. They have two winnable games against Duke and uh, let's see, Western Carolina. Here's the weird thing with Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, are they committed to winning football games? I'm not sure. However, this 
Georgia Tech, what they have done the last year or so, especially once the NIL came into effect, you've seen more um, more urgency from Georgia Tech staff to go out and recruit. And I think they're putting out a little bit more NIL money than most other smaller schools. Like, I know Duke ain't competing with them from an NIL standpoint in football. Duke just doesn't care. I do think there is a little want-to from Georgia Tech. So I think even though they might have another awful season, they're recruiting not just last year, but particularly this year. This year has a chance to be their best recruiting class in like 15 years or so. So I think that might be enough to save Collins' job. Remember, he took over um, a triple option team. And, and, and I can't even imagine having to rebuild at a program like Georgia Tech from ground zero uh, and, and literally change everything up. That's so difficult. You went from the most simple uh, scheme in all of sports, basically, to a difficult one. And, and that takes time. I'm not sticking up for the guy. They're going to struggle. They have the fewest returning starters in the ACC with eight. That doesn't bode well. Um, and they lost their best player, Jameer Gibbs, uh, their running back to Alabama, who will probably be the best running back in the SEC this year if I had to gamble on that. They do get Jeff Sims back. Uh, he's a young, raw kid, raw QB, but boy, he shows all the promise, all the skills that are there. If he can take a leap up, I like this team to get to three wins. I'm not sure they get to three and a half. I just don't see it here. They would need to upset a couple teams, and I don't know with eight returning starters they can do that. But They've recruited well enough uh, over the last year or two. I do think they'll have some younger players contribute right away. That will lead to some growing pains, but maybe by the end of the year, they're playing some good ball. So I think they're improved. I'm using that in air quotes this year, but it's the under three and a half. Uh, just take them for what they're worth. You know what you're going to get with them, and 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 it ain't going to be great. The Louisville Cardinals Pierce finished the 2021 season with a six and seven record, but since have seemed to learn the NIL game quickly. Not only have they had several key transfers come in for the 2022 season, but they're recruiting better and better. Now those kids will not be factors in this season. I think they're mostly 2023 guys, but still Scott Satterfield at the end of 2020 seemed ready to, uh, I mean, he was actively and publicly trying to, uh, you know, court himself, if you will, for the South Carolina job, totally has turned around, recommitted himself to the Louisville Cardinals, and it seems to be paying off. Malik Cunningham does return, and I know I'd love to, you to take us through his numbers. He not only has NFL hopes, but he has a slight Heisman odd, probably the best we've talked about so far, maybe Phil Dracovic gives him a run for his money. I don't remember the exact odds. Um, that being said, 2020, might, 2022, I should say, might not be the year to get excited if you're a Louisville fan. Um, I think that real change is coming with that 2023 class. Uh, the over-under win total is 5.5, so the odd makers tend to agree with me. That being said, when you get momentum on your side, you know you could, you could be in for a surprising year. So all in all, good things if you are a Louisville Cardinals fan. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on Malik Cunningham coming back. Would you sprinkle any Heisman money on him? And do you think five and a half is too low for them? So I would not sprinkle money on him. And here's why. I don't see this team getting to that nine or ten win threshold um, in, that I think you need to win the Heisman these days. I think you have to be on a team that's contending for the playoffs. I mean, look at Kenneth Walker last year. He was the clear front runner for the Heisman. And then they lost that, that game to... Um, Ohio State, and he was just pretty much written off. It's always those teams that come down that are the 10, 11 win teams like the Bryce Youngs, 
um, you know, like the CJ Strouds that are competing till the very end. Um, and, and I think that's kind of BS, uh, to be quite honest with you, because I think Kenneth Walker should have just he had every right to, to be in that top spot uh, along with those other two players. So just because of that, I wouldn't. But I do like this kid. Uh, Malik Cunningham is I don't want to say a poor man's Lamar Jackson, because I think Lamar Jackson was was just he was a video game player. But Malik Cunningham is pretty darn close to Lamar Jackson. He, he's he's not the most polished passer. He never will be. But he's a freak athletically. So I understand where his odds are coming from. I totally get that. It's funny you compared him from a Heisman odd standpoint to Dracovic. Because I'm going to say the same thing about Louisville as I said for Dracovic. He needs to stay healthy. He's a big runner like you hit on. He takes a lot of hits. He needs to protect his body this year because if he does, the sky's the limit. Um, they, they have 14 returning starters. Uh, obviously, you hit it with Malik Cunningham being the key one. They do draw Pitt out of the Coastal, but Pitt won't be as good as last year, I don't believe, but but that's still a tough draw out of the Coastal. Um, a couple couple notable players on the offensive side, Trevor Reed at offensive tackle, um, Tyler Hudson at wide receiver. That's going to be a huge target and weapon for Malik Cunningham this year. Also have a stud tight end in Marshawn Ford and offensive guard Caleb Chandler. Um, and defensively, I was shocked to see some of their um, – they've got two DBs that are very highly thought of, and uh, Catrell Clark and Quincy Riley. Um, they also have Yaya Diaby at the end and Yasir Abdullah at linebacker. Those so They have guys throughout every level of that defense. If Louisville if, – if Cunningham can stay healthy – I think this Louisville team improves. You said five and a half. They made a bowl game last year. I think they easily make a bowl game this year. I think you're looking at seven, eight wins. So give me the over on Louisville. Um, and I'm going to throw a wrench in things here. Bear, I apologize. I'm looking at all the all the things now and all the picks I've made. Clemson over ten and a half. I'm uh, change that to over. Okay. Okay, yep. got it. Was a I got, bullish. I got, first. I got too nervous. I got too nervous. I got too nervous, and I was looking. I went under Duke, under Florida State, under Georgia Tech. I needed another over in there, and the more I thought about it, you know, while I do think there's a lot of question marks with Clemson, I don't just don't. I just don't see where those two losses are. So switch that one to over, folks. Um, but either way, I think that number is pretty close. But yeah, give me Louisville over five and a half. This might be actually my favorite play of the ACC thus far. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, let's go down South Pierce to Miami. Things were not terrible for them last year with a final record of 7-5, and five, but that's not going to get it done. And like I had said with Florida State, when you're in a race to see who can return to prominence in the state of Florida, they got a little restless, ditched Manny Diaz, scooped up Oregon coach Mario Cristobal. He has ties to South Florida, um, and so that was an easy move for him. Tough for, for Oregon to have to replace another coach. Last time a school in Florida did that, it didn't bode well, but I think this one might turn out a little bit better for them. Uh, now, Manny did a lot to return the swag to the U, as we saw, you know, all jokes aside about the turnover chain. There was a lot of excitement that had returned with the Hurricanes that hadn't been there in years prior. So, you know, hopefully for the Hurricane faithful, Mario is the guy to start getting them some actually good quality wins um, and help them be, you know, the top of the race in the Sunshine State. They do have a road trip to Texas A&M, which is going to be really interesting. That's a matchup you don't see, I don't know if ever, uh, but certainly not regularly. They finish the season with Clemson and Pitt, which is going to be a tough little uh, you know, finisher there in the ACC. Um, so I don't necessarily think they have hopes to win the conference or even their division necessarily. 
Um, but I do think that they have some reinvigorating hype and uh, excitement for them. Uh, their over-under win total is 8.5. Tyler Van Dyke has 30-1 to 1 odds for Heisman. So again, another little Heisman favorite. Or not favorite, but, but Heisman odds. If you are a betting person and want a dark horse, he's not a bad name to potentially look at. I caught your right for taking a I, sip. I know. Not at all. <laughs> I actually think that... I think... and. God, I know a lot of people, majority of people listening to this are going to scoff and say, you're a freaking idiot. But I actually think I have more confident with him winning the Heisman than I am with Malik Cunningham. Just because I think the potential for Miami from a total win standpoint this season could be higher, will be higher than Louisville or could be. Um, so I think that plays a little bit of factor, even though Van Dyke isn't the runner Cunningham is. This kid really, I mean, if you look at when he came in, it seemed like every time, I mean, you know, we do the top players each week or what do we call them? I can't remember what we call them, but, and I highlight all the best standouts. Yes. Braggers. Thank you. Van Dyke was, I had trouble not putting him on every week because he was just throwing for 300 plus and three, four to five touchdowns. It was like, where the heck did this kid come from? I've never even heard of him. He returns. That's massive. Anytime you get your quarterback back, that is instrumental for that next season and taking this, that jump forward. I love what Mario Cristobal does. It's a homegrown. It's a guy that went to Miami. He knows how to recruit to Miami. He knows the culture of Miami. I think he returns Miami to 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 swag you. I really do. They've also benefited a lot from this NIL situation, like you hit on with Louisville. I think that's another great comparison. Louisville and Miami have been one, uh, two of like five teams that have said screw it. This is open season. We're just going to throw money out. We need to get back to prominence. And that that reflects their fan base and their alumni as well. They have some great players I was looking at. Um, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, to name it, and, and to name the first one. Will Mallory um, is another one. Uh, off to tackle DJ Scafey. Off to tackle Zion Nelson. That's great to see some big-time um, offensive linemen to, to protect Van Dyke. Uh, Jalen Knighton at running back. Here's my only concern, Okay. Their offense ought to be electric better than they have been probably the last four or five seasons. What did they struggle with last year? They were not a very physical defensive team. They had a lot of issues tackling, and that's the most basic fundamental skill of football, tackling. They didn't want to tackle. They did not want to do it. The only kid I saw consistently run in and try to light people up and make the tackle, ironically, was a Georgia transfer, Tyreek Stevenson, and he so happens to be a preseason first team ACC All-American. He'd be starting on Georgia's team. He started when, before he left. So I, I don't think that bodes well for them. They do bring over Kevin Steele, um, the defensive coordinator from Auburn. Um, I think I do think that'll help them a little bit. I just don't know. They'll need a lot of people to step up this year defensively and learn how to tackle. God, that just sounds so ridiculous for me to just say. Just the for basics. A team, but. Yeah, I know, and and I'm hearing people say double-digit wins, and maybe they are in a conference where the offense is good enough to carry them, but I, I just don't see it this year. New head coach, new defensive coordinator. Um, yes, they'll be improved. I don't. I just don't see them getting the double-digit wins. What What did you have them at? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Boy, that's spot on. That's spot on because you can go ahead and write down Clemson as a loss. You can go ahead and write down. A&M is a loss, although that's a fascinating game because could you imagine if they upset A&M? Woo, they're looking that at like 6-0. Ooh, I mean, they're looking, they're looking Tex-Ags at... Tex-Ags boards would be... Oh, they would. I would have to buy a subscription to Rivals. 
It'd be beautiful. You know, I did that one time uh, five or six years ago for the Tennessee board after we stole the group because <laughs> I wanted to see them. I still get VolQuest uh, payments. I'm like, I need to figure out how to cancel this. Yeah, I was going to say, well, yeah, you, you, know what's, you know what's funny, Pierce? Sorry, a little aside. I have uh, very fond memories of riding home from games and uh, dad driving and him handing us, one of us, his phone or his iPad and saying, hey, read the uh, the 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 message boards of Florida or Kentucky or Tennessee and us being like, oh, they're having an actual meltdown. They're freaking out. They want to fire everybody. You know, it's one of the, it's, it's, it's probably why college football is not only the best sport in my opinion in the world, but it also has the craziest fans in the world is because I would say 90% of unhealthy college football fans, that's their favorite thing right there. They get glory. <laughs> they get, they get excitement and happiness out of seeing the other people suffer and seeing them, you know, complain and moan. So right there with you. I don't know, man. I, I think this Miami team, you look at it, I think Clemson at Clemson, certainly a loss. I think AM at AM, certainly a loss. So that pretty much means they can't they they got one more loss in the bag. I think if they're a middling team, not middling, I shouldn't say that, but that second tier team, I think that means that for uh that Virginia, Florida State, Pittsburgh and maybe you can throw North Carolina in there all have a chance to beat them now they do avoid NC State that's a big one oh man give me the over give me okay. nine wins I, I I do not feel good about it though I'm gonna ride what everybody's saying about them being better I think they're a year or two off but I, I think Tyler Van Dyke is just good enough to get him to nine I don't think they get to ten you just pulled what I will do. You're mid-season Madison right now. You are making your decision on the fly. As you're going through your yep. notes and kind of you're, you're working the logic out real time. That's how the uh, sausage is made here at Bragg and Rights. Let's talk about NC State. You've talked about them a couple of times, Pierce, and you know alluded to them not having a great year. I actually kind of disagree with you a little bit. I think they're going to have a great year. They had a great 2021 campaign. They finished with a 9-3 and record. They, of course, had the big snafu when it came to the bull fly all the way out to LA UCLA pulls out of it think they got a uh, replacement they pulled out as well kind of hard pill to swallow when also what happened with their baseball team unable to compete in Omaha because of COVID so they their athletic program was hit you hit hard yeah by COVID and all protocols. and all, all that happened was Ole Miss took their place and won it all I bet that had to make a feel even better well but it wasn't that last year wasn't it uh Mississippi State no, no, no. This year, they were that they a lot of people thought they were the supposed to be oh. the last team in and had qualified and they spurned them and they put Ole Miss in. Ole Miss was the last team to get into the playoffs in college baseball. And everyone was like that. They took NC State spot. I thought that something happened with them in 2021, too. They did. They were in the college. They were actually in Omaha and they um, got COVID and like half their team did. And so they had to put right. out players that didn't even dress all season. Right, right. So and they made them play the game. It was like, come on, just wait two or three days. Right. So they've been, they've been, they're pissed. I would be pissed. And I sit next to an NC State fan at work and she's, she loves to, I mean, she's kind of ho-hum about these kinds of things anyways, but it's, you know, they, they're just kind of like, of course this would happen to us. Um, they return a lot of key pieces in 2022 peers uh, and they have a very manageable schedule. Yes, they are in a conference with Clemson, but at the same time, for the most part, you know, Duke, they play, I think they're the same conference as Duke, UNC. I think that they've got a very manageable schedule. Um, they do have to get through, like I said, the tougher side of the ACC with Clemson. Uh, so they're going to have to beat them if they're going to reach the title game. 
But I mean, that could be their only loss of the season. I don't necessarily think the committee is going to do what they've done with the SEC, where if you have, you know, let's say they lose to Clemson, Clemson's undefeated, wins the ACC, maybe they put both teams in. I don't think they'll do that just because as bad as it is, the SEC has garnered that respect. I think the Big Ten would also be more likely to get that nod before an ACC. But I think you could be looking at a situation like that personally. Um, so I don't see it likely to get two teams in. They're going to have to get past that Clemson hump. But I think I personally think that could be their only loss. Their over-under win total is eight and a half. So for what it's worth, Vegas so you, is on my side you, a little you bit. You hit on it. Yeah, you hit on it uh, before. I'm not sure if I dislike or like this team. Real quick, to go back to the Miami one real quick, uh, you, you're, you're spot on. I, I changed from over to under probably 15 times in my last like two You're not going to change again, are you? Speaking. Well, I'm nervous. Well, you said that I was down on this team or, or, or didn't think that this team would live up to expectations. It's not necessarily that, but they're one of those unique teams that... This team being NC when they State? Have expect, yes. Okay. When they go from the hunter to the hunted, it typically doesn't work out all that well. Um, so that's my only hesitation with this team. A couple key things that I think will stand out and be super important for NC State and their chances this year. 17 returning starters. I think that's second in the ACC. That's massive. Here's another crazy thing. Only school in the ACC to return every single coach. I think that's also important. Very. Turnover can sometimes be a breath of fresh air, but if you don't need it, continuity is such an important thing. Switching up playbooks is, is super difficult, especially when these kids come in, they might've only known one thing and they go to that school because it's a similar scheme. So then you switch it up on them. And sometimes these kids don't know how to, to how to handle, they've got classes. It's not like they're in the pro, you know, in the NFL, they've got all this extra free time to, to study up their playbook. They do get Clemson on, on the road. That's going to be a super tough one. Cause they did upset Clemson upset. Uh, Clemson will be looking for revenge there. So, you know, you look at this schedule, I think that's their only true like loss that you could write down. They're going to start 4-0. Um, they do get, uh, who they get? Texas A&M. I think they start 4-0 and they lose to Clemson. Um, but man, this team has a chance. I think they're anywhere in between 8 to, to 11 wins. Uh, they have the best linebackers and the TBs in the ACC. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Especially when the ACC... I don't know if this year they'll there'll be too many of those elite teams with stud offensive lines. So you're looking more at a Big 12 structure where that back end, the passers, the Van Dykes, that's those are the people that are going to give you trouble. So I think they match up a little bit uh, pretty well there. Um, Drake Thomas, linebacker, is a superstar. Uh, Corey Durden at, at defensive end is another good one. Peyton Wilson also at linebacker, um, along with Isaiah Moore. So they have three linebackers that a lot of people think will be a, a top you know three all-conference this year. Um, you know, if they were to somehow beat Clemson, this team has a chance to to honestly go ten and two, eleven and one. Um, I, I I'm going to go against the narrative of now that they're the hunted, they're going to struggle. I think this team gets to ten wins. I'm going over. All right, you're on the same board as me. I agree. I think that. Uh... I think NC State's about to have a special year, and that would be kind of fun. I love seeing teams that you don't traditionally think of doing well, as long as it's not competing Agreed. against Georgia. Agreed, and I love what you said about your you, you, you sitting next to your colleague who's an NC State fan. I've come across a number of NC State fans in my life, and man, they just, I feel like they might have a top three or four football fan base and a sports fan base in the ACC. They just can't get out of that mediocrity, and 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 that's... I want them to because they're such a passionate fan base. I think they're a sneaky, sneaky fan base that just diehards, just diehards. But 
because they're always middling, you don't hear from them as much. So I'm hoping for their sake that they uh, they had that year this year um, because their their schedule certainly lines up to to for them to have a great one. Well, and I think one of the reasons why you don't hear about them as much, but they do uh, tend to have some pretty diehard fans, is because of the team we're going to preview next, which is North Carolina. Uh, probably should have previewed them before NC State. Didn't think about the uh, alphabetical order there. But uh, because you've got North Carolina and Duke just right there, that triangle of the three of them. And when you think of, you know, prominent institutions in America, UNC and Duke, and the rivalry that comes with those two schools kind of overshadow NC State. So they're kind of there, just kind of in the shadows a little bit. Uh, But they were always a team that made me uneasy when they went down to Tallahassee or vice versa because of the fact that they're just always secretly, silently kind of there. Uh, Let's talk about the Tar Heels, Pierce. They are not doing as well over in Chapel Hill They uh, seemed to be poised for something special in 2021, and it would not be so. They had a disappointing season, finishing 6-7, and including losses to Georgia Tech and FSU, two programs that we've already talked about that aren't necessarily the most dominant right now. Uh, They don't, the Tar Heels don't come into 2022 with quite as lofty expectations, which might behoove them, uh, but they do have a fair amount of roster turnover, namely at that quarterback position. Uh, so their over-under win total is six and a half. I'd love to hear your thoughts here, whether that's too high or too low for them. Mac Brown, obviously a great coach, uh, national championship winning coach, a little bit older, um, but they do recruit decently well in Chapel Hill as well. But like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see a new look, especially at that quarterback position. Six and a half feels kind of on the head for me. I think that that's a roundabout right for them, but uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that number is pretty spot on. I think they could win six. I think they could win seven. I don't think that they're going to win nine. I don't think they're going to, you know, win only four. So I think that number is pretty spot on here. I do think this North Carolina team will be, and I don't remember what their record was last year. I thought oh, they went six and seven. I think they'll, they may not improve record wise, but I think this team you'll see will be improved. And hear me out on this. Yes, they lose Sam Howell, and that's massive. But if you watched this team last year, and I watched a lot of them because they were, everyone was so high on Sam Howell, especially him being the number one pick this past year, which didn't come, didn't happen that they were on some primetime games. They had a lot of games that were primetime. Sam Howell had no protection on, on the offensive line. And he had lost all his weapons basically from the last year Two stud running backs um, that both got drafted once with the jets and once with the Broncos who both made huge contributions last year and might be the starters this year on their teams respectively and lost a couple good receivers last year. He had to figure out those receivers and those weapons. The line sucked. I don't know how much better the line will be. That is my one area of concern for them, but their two uh, all conference preseason uh, picks were both at wide out. So even if uh, you know, the quarterback, he's not going to be Sam Howell, but even if the quarterback can manage this team and their offensive line takes a step up from last year, I don't see them dropping off on offense and defensively. I think you'll see this is the unit that picks up this North Carolina Tar Heels team. Five, five studs um, that are picked preseason all uh, preseason all conference D tackle miles Murphy. That's a massive one. I mean, think about this, the, uh, the line of scrimmage other than Clemson seems to be kind of an area where ACC always lacks. Now I know there were a couple good teams this year. D line at, I believe it was Boston college should be a top three unit, so on and so forth. But, when you have a good offensive defensive line, that's so that's such a big deal. Having this guy in the center, Miles Murphy, is massive. Noah Taylor, uh, linebacker, Cameron Kelly, safety, another D tackle, Raymond Voasek, and Tony Grimes, who um, 
I'm very familiar with uh, cornerback. They've got dudes at all these positions. I think this unit will pick this North Carolina team up and carry them. I'm going to go six wins here. When he loses Sam Howell, if you've got some holes, he can sometimes, you know, uh, cover them up. I don't know they have that on the side of the ball, but their defense will be good enough to get them to six wins. So give me under, but you're right. Spot on number. The Pitt Panthers, Pierce, are going to have a tough time topping the 2021 season. They also have a new guy under center. They went 11-3 on the season and became the first team other than FSU or Clemson to win the ACC since 2010. Like I said at the top, that was Virginia Tech to last win the ACC. They will be replacing first-round draft pick Kenny Pickett. They do have transfer quarterback from USC, Kidon Slovis, who transferred in when Caleb Williams went down to LA. They also have, I'm not saying they also have, I will say about their schedule, they have two non-conference matchups to start the season with West Virginia and Tennessee. That Tennessee game is at home. I don't remember. West Virginia might be on neutral ground. Um, the over-under win total is 8.5, despite everything, despite it, it, you know two potentially trap-like non-conference games and having to replace Kenny Pickett. The oddsmakers put them at 8.5, you know, they are going to have to, uh, you, in order to get into the playoffs, they're going to have to win the ACC. Do you think that's a possibility for them this year? Or do you think there's definitely going to be a step back because last year was just so special? It, it, uh, a little bit of both. I think a little bit of a step back um, along with a couple teams improving. I think that's what you're looking at here. A couple interesting things to note. Uh, this team has probably the best offensive line unit. Um, maybe one of the best offensive line units in the ACC. They return all five starters. That's massive, especially when you're breaking in a new QB. I just think it comes down to Keaton Slovis. How does he get up to speed with this offense? If he picks it up quick, I, 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 I can see Pitt winning 10, 10 games this season. You run through their schedule and you got... Tennessee, second week of the season, ah, that's going to be tough because Tennessee's looking for revenge and they're a sexy team. But I think with the guys that Pitts brings back, that could be a close one. If, say, they lose that, you're still looking at 5-1 and one going into October 22nd at Louisville. You got Louisville, North Carolina, Syracuse, Virginia, Duke, and Miami. Probably two losses in there to Louisville and, and, and Miami. That's a 9-3 and three season. They upset one of those two teams and don't get upset. I, they could get to 10, 10 wins. With that offensive line, that's such a big deal bringing in that new quarterback. Like I said, Carter Warren at offensive tackle is, a, is, an, is an all-conference, maybe an all-American. Israel Abinikanda at running back, Marcus Minor at guard, and can, <clears throat> excuse me, Kanata Mumfield at wide receiver. So it's not like Keaton Slovis is coming in with a few weapons. Yeah, he loses Jordan Addison to USC. That, that, that stinks, but he's got some other replacements there. D-line. D-line might be the second best in the country on this team. You got you got some superstars in D.N. Habakkuk, Baldonado, uh, Kalija. God, this team has some ridiculous names. <laughs> Kalija Kansi, uh, Deslin, Alexandre. And then they've got a linebacker and a couple safeties that are projected to be all-conference. So this team, I think it really comes down to Keenan Slovis. It seems like this team might be one of the most complete teams in the ACC, uh, minus Clemson. It's just going to come down to that QB play. And if Keaton Slovis picks it up, he'll be protected. He's got some weapons. I think you're looking at nine wins here, um, maybe eight or ten. Uh, you said, what, eight and a half? So I'll go over. 
Okay, over for the Pitt Panthers. That bodes well for another fun season for them. Let's talk about a team that's not probably going to have as fun of a season. The Syracuse Orangemen finished 2021 with a 5-7 and seven record and just two ACC wins. Uh, if things don't look up for them in 2022, and I don't think they will, um, they have a daunting schedule. And they already are feeling, or Dino Babers is already feeling the heat, I should say, which means the rest of the team's going to be feeling the heat as well as he's coaching for his life. I don't think you see him make it to uh, Thanksgiving this year. I think that he's gone sometime in October. You know, at some point, something's got to give. Syracuse has been down for a while. They had a really good season, I think, in like 2018, and it's been downhill ever since. Over under win total is four and a half. I can't even tell you a single player on their team, Pierce. Um, it's just been it's been pretty bad at Syracuse. Um, and, you know, I think that that is, again, not that they've ever been They're one of those schools that's never been a formidable fo- football, but they could be fun. They could be a fun team. And it's just gotten really sad there. So I don't think Dino Babers makes it out alive regardless, but I think he could potentially be gone midseason, especially if they don't go bowling this year. So four and a half. I think that you're probably going to take the under here, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. So this is a funny team. To, it's it's the exact opposite of what I said about Miami and Florida State with in regards to everyone I trust, me and my own knowledge, I expect them to take big leaps this year. But there are very few preseason all-conference players, uh, according to a lot of the polls. I'm not going to put too much stock in that, but it's still, when you see only three or four players make the preseason all-conference, you kind of take a step back and go, well, does this team really take that big jump up this year? Syracuse has far more preseason all-conference than Florida State and Miami, or Florida State in particular. Um, Sean Tucker might be the best running back in the entire country. He's an absolute superstar. Problem is, running backs stay, are, uh, struggle staying healthy. So, you know, he gets dinged up this year. Their whole their whole season goes to in the crapper. They return Garrett Schrader uh, at quarterback. That's uh, you know he's not a he's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But returning a QB that played well, uh, played okay last year is, is a good thing. Um, and defensively, they've got two cornerbacks on the All Conference top four and two linebackers. So they've got some star players. They return seventeen starters. All signs point to this team taking a step up this year. You take a look at this schedule. There ain't a chance in the world. That they make a bowl game, not a chance in the world. I don't know if they have a chance in the world at winning at winning five games this year. Look at listen to this schedule. I mean, this is pretty ridiculous for a Syracuse team. They start at they start at with Louisville at home loss at Connecticut should be a win, but Connecticut's got a new head coach, and uh, you know I think got a lot of transfers in there, so we'll see. But let's say one and one conservatively. They lose to Purdue, who comes to their place. They lose to Virginia. They beat Wagner. That's two and three. They lose to NC State. They lose at Clemson. They lose Notre Dame. They lose Pitt. Probably Florida State. Probably Wake Forest. I mean, I just see two wins, three wins on this on this 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 schedule. And and despite despite them, you know, returning all this the, all their uh, players from last year and in some key positions, I just don't see it this year. They'll need to have multiple upsets to get over that four and a half, uh, along with just just in, along with making a bowl. I don't see that this year. I think you're probably right. I think Dino Babers is a good coach. I think it's just gotten a little stale there. I think this is what his sixth year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's he's a goner, unfortunately, because I do think this team has some promise. But give me under four and a half, and I think you're sensing a trend. I feel like I've gone under in a lot of these teams, so I'm getting a little nervous with some of my picks. I will admit. 
Well, I think you just are trending towards cannibalization, which is very possible. Uh, Let's talk about UVA, Pierce. That was the landing spot of Tony Elliott. He left Clemson, the uh, longtime offensive coordinator. Uh, After a 6-6 and season in Charlottesville, Bronco Mendenhall retired. He said, I'm out. I can't do this anymore, and I don't blame him. I'm sure there was some uh, some, uh, prodding from the athletic department to get out of there. On a high note, eh, we might be aware of a little bit of something, something like that as well uh, here in Athens. The Who's Lord, like I said, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott to take the the gig, so it's going to be a new look for them. Um, you know, he's going to have a he has more of an uphill battle than his counterpart who took the Oklahoma job. He had a turnkey. Uh, role and uh, Tony's going to have a little bit more of an uphill battle. They do have some veteran guys returning that will help them in this transition, um, but they are a step or two behind the rest of the conference. So it's just you know, UVA is a great school. They're going to have they're always going to have the issue like some of these other schools and and namely the ACC loves to do this. They think they're kind of like a notch behind the Ivy League, but they're always going to have the academic part that's hard to get past. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's will, for what it will, uh, that being said, they need to maybe sweeten the deal a little bit if they want to get out of their ACC contract and uh, be courted by the SEC, which is uh, long been rumored. So their over under win total, despite everything I said is seven and a half for what it's worth. Um, that seems high for me, but I could be wrong. I just, I just am a little bit bullish on any team that has a new regime that they're breaking in. Uh, that's that's always really difficult to do. So I like to give it a little bit of time. But seven and a half, we'll see. We'll see what they do there uh, with Cavaliers. Yeah, and this team might be minus my, my minus Miami. This might be the 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 sexiest long shot pick that people are throwing out there to win the ACC. I don't freaking I don't not I do not see it. I do not see it at all. You hit it on the you hit the nail on the head. They're bringing in a new head coach. Bronco Mendenhall leaving was always a strange one, always a weird and 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 I and I'm sure we'll get more information to come out of that whole that whole saga. You know, he left BYU to take maybe a worse job at UVA. I know I'm going to piss off some Cavaliers fans, but you know BYU from a football standpoint is probably better set than Virginia. And then all Bronco does is take their team and they go play Clemson, a, a Clemson team who I think lost in the national championship and went and played them in the ACC tournament. Probably the best year UVA's had in decades. And then he's out two years later. I, I It doesn't make much sense to me. There's got to be some weird story behind it. Um, they only return 10 starters. They're breaking in a new head coach. They have to replace every single starting offensive lineman. I don't care how good Brennan Armstrong is. That is that this is like Sam Howell last year. This is basically like Sam Howell. This kid, this guy's going to be running for his life. There's no chance he stays healthy or, or produces the same numbers as last year. They don't have that great of a defense. I, I think this, this, this team's in trouble. You said what? Seven and a half. Yes. This is my favorite play of the season. Hammer the under seven and a half Virginia. Okay. He said that about three or four times. So take that for what it's worth that it's his favorite play. Uh, let's talk about their counterparts there in Virginia, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Can I take that back? What? You don't want to go under anymore? They might have the easiest They might have the easiest ACC schedule I've really? seen. Really? Listen to this cupcake of a schedule here. Okay. Talk about breaking in a new head coach in Tony Elliott. Okay. Richmond. Okay, that's a win. At Illinois. Win. Old Dominion. Win. At Syracuse. Win. At Duke. Win. They're 5-0. and oh. They're five and zero. Oh. Five and zero. Oh. 
Then they've got Louisville. I think that's a, that's loss. a loss. At Georgia Tech, that's a win, that's a six win. and one. Miami, North Carolina, and Pitt. Those are probably losses. losses. So six and four. Coastal Carolina, six. Well, and then at Virginia well. Tech. So they upset one school. That's close. I'm still going to take the under, but they don't. They they get out. They they may they have an easy easy schedule this year. As you saw, I saw your face kind of lighten up. Like, oh, we're at six. We're at seven. What in the world's going on here? They miss NC State. They or uh, they miss Clemson. So they do have that uh, that going for them. I just don't think that they can uh, hang this year with the, without an offensive lineman. So I'm going to stick with the under. But it is it is an interesting schedule to uh, to look at. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Hokies. Pierce. Things started off promising in 2021 after taking down UNC to start the season, but then they went on to finish with a six and seven record, including a 54 to 10 blowout bowl loss to Maryland. But out with Justin Fuente and in with Virginia Tech alum Brent Pry there at head coach, new coach as well for the Hokies. Uh, like you said at the outset, a lot of new names here to remember at the head coaching uh, role. There will be plenty of new faces as well with the Hokies on their roster and an uphill battle schedule-wise. They have been more of the dominant force over uh, Virginia, but their over-under win total is five and a half. So... Uh, if Virginia pulled an easy schedule, Virginia Tech's got the opposite. So two new coaches in the state of Virginia. One maybe has a little bit more uh, daunting task than the other one. What do you think here about Brent Pry and the Virginia Tech Hokies? Maybe one of the strangest head coaching hires we saw all offseason. I don't even know where this Pry guy came from. Um, I, I, I was surprised to hear you say he, he went to Virginia Tech. I think that's a good start. Um, I have heard I some, think some quotes Pierce, saying he's from the Beamer tree. Is he? I think so. Shane Beamer. Uh, Frank. Not Shane. Was Shane's barely Shane? been where in the freaking game. Yeah, but where he could have been in Oklahoma and come yeah. like grad yeah, assistant. Yeah, that's stuff. fair. No, he's where did from, he come from. I, I, I'm embarrassed. Um, I'd have know to this. keep talking. I'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. Tony Elliott, Mike Elko, somewhat strange hires. This one I didn't, as you can tell, I don't even know about the guy. And my apologies, I should know this. Um, just a strange hire to me. But hearing you say Virginia Tech, he's, he's familiar with the program. I think he's alumni there, is huge. He's already come out and said, we need to get back to our home field edge that we've had for so many years. That's a huge start. I do think that this team, you look at their schedule, they're not getting the credit that they deserve um, talent-wise because – this team does have talent. They recruited at a much higher level than a lot of folks uh, in the ACC, a lot of those middling programs. Yeah, they only have a few uh, preseason all-conference in Caden Moore, offensive guard, um, safety, Chamari Connor, and, and linebacker Dax uh, Holyfield. This is a rebuilding year, but with their subtle – or with their, their, their crummy schedule – I, I know you said it was a tough schedule, but I, I realistically see six wins on there. Um, you know, namely, you got Old Dominion, Wofford, I think they split like a North Carolina pit Miami. They beat Georgia Tech, Duke, and Liberty. So I think you realistically, if they get one upset, they have six wins. You listed their over under at what was that again? Five, five and, and a half. half. Five and a half. Oh man, that's a tough one. Against better judgment, I am going to take the over, but only because I think they have some talent that isn't being respected here. Um, and and if Pry can get that one upset, they have five cupcakes. So. Give me the over, but this is uh, not a not a very confident take, and uh, I do think Virginia Tech's rebuilding, and 
you got either a two wins, three win season or a six. That's it. So I misspoke. Brent Pry played uh, college football at Buffalo. He then was a grad assistant for Virginia Tech under Bud Foster. Um, and then yeah, he, see that doesn't make much sense yeah. to me. And then he for the last for the last five years has been um, the defensive coordinator, linebacker coach at Penn State. So, okay. but he is from the Virginia okay. Tech tree ish. So he's familiar with the program at least. I think he I think he vocally wanted the 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 job. So we'll see how that. Well, goes. and I like that. I, I you know Fuente came. He was the offensive coordinator at TCU when I was there. Um, shows you how much how long Fuente was at Virginia Tech and how much longer he was there than needed to be. Um, I'm getting up there at age, and Fuente was the offensive coordinator for the Rose Bowl team with Andy Dalton. He ain't even in the league anymore. So, you know, that that was stale, and Fuente coming from a different program may have had some trouble really, you know, um, relating to some of these recruits that he was getting in and, and, and the players that he was, you know, had on campus there in Blacksburg. Um, so maybe Pry is is a big deal for them in regards to he knows the program, he knows what it's going to take. But I, I see this as a huge rebuilding year. But their schedule, in my opinion, doesn't it looks manageable. So um, very, very, very hesitant to say over, but I'll give the over five and a half. Well, last but not least, let's talk about probably the most shocking team out of 2021, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. They finished 2021. At 11 and 3, at one point we were talking about them potentially in the playoffs. Not a uh, historically good football program. They did have, I think, maybe their first ever ACC championship appearance. Uh, that tied the 20 or 2006 team for the most wins in school history. Now, it'd be hard to top that. Like, let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Like, that's going to be a hard thing to top. You obviously had a couple key factors and, and power players who have been down. Um, and just in all in all, like, some decently talented players who are able to step up. Uh, it's going to be daunting, Pierce. They do have a couple of key road games. They travel to FSU, which, say what you will about FSU, still a tough place to play. Um ask North Carolina or Notre Dame, namely. Uh, they also travel to Florida State and, I'm not sorry, Florida State, Louisville and NC State. So it's going to be tough for them. That being said, the odds makers at least think it's still going to be a decently good year for them. Eight and a half is their over-under win total. So we'll see. Their, their quarterback, uh, Hartman, he comes back, yeah? I'm pretty yep, sure he's he does. Come, yeah, so that's going to be good for them. We'll see. It could be fun. I like. I enjoyed having new blood uh, to talk about this past season. You know, as much as I enjoy the fact that I'm a fan of a team that's always in the hunt, it is kind of fun when there's other teams to talk about um, in in relevancy. So, give me your thoughts on the Demon Deacons, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, this team is very similar to NC State, in my opinion. They go from the hunter to the hunted this season. How does that change what I think of this this team? It shouldn't change much, but some of these teams have just shown that you know they get they get those teams that they come in playing elite, wanting to upset you every every week, and it's it can be a tough step up because you get that complacency in your opponent is a major major factor in winning and upsetting teams. They return thirteen starters, which is eh, eh, but they do recruit they do 
bring back Sam Hartman, which is massive. Their offense, I think, ought to be pretty darn good this year. They have a good O-line and receiving corps, um, which should be just as potent as last year. At wideout, A.T. Perry looks to be one of the best receivers in the ACC. Um, at, at, on the offensive side of the line, uh, line Sean Megan, as well as uh, Michael Jurgens, who's a center, centers for the quarterback of the offense, uh, off, offensive line. I like those two players and where they're at. Obviously, you have Sam Hartman, Justice Ellison, and tight end Donovan Green. So you really have a loaded offense this year, in my opinion. Defense is where they um, might not have the firepower, and that probably shouldn't shock anybody. They do return six starters uh, and could be slightly better than last year. Really, the only standout is Rondell Bothroyd. Um, you know, you look through this 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 uh, schedule, though, and I, it's manageable. You know, uh, I'm looking also at my over-unders uh, the, for a lot of those teams like NC State, Boston College, Virginia, Louisville, Florida State. All those middle-of-the-pack teams tend to cannibalize themselves in the ACC. This is going to be feast or famine for me. Either I win eight or nine of my over-unders in this conference or I lose most. I'm going to take, what did you say this was? Was it seven and a half? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Ooh, that's pretty spot on. I'm going to go over, but I don't think they get a double digit wins this season. I think they go deep into the season with a chance and they're competing for that coastal crown. I don't think they get it done this year. I just, again, when you go from the hunter to the hunted, that one or two upset wins tends to go to one or two upset losses. Um, so, you know, you can obviously write down Clemson as a loss and you can probably write down NC state as a loss at NC state. Um, so it's going to come down to Louisville and Florida state, uh, and North Carolina. So can they get one of those upsets or do, because they're the hunted, do they struggle there? Um, I'm going to take the over. I think they get to nine, but they don't get to 10 wins. Um, but they're in it till the end. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, a little bit longer of a podcast here. Obviously, fourteen teams, more of a relevant conference. Uh, Big Ten or Big Twelve only has ten. Pac twelve is at uh, twelve. Uh, but these next few are going to be beefy, beefy shows. So hopefully, you stuck around for the whole thing. If you did, you're probably going to like the rest of our content. So go ahead and hit us up with a subscribe wherever you're currently listening. We'd love for you to share it with a friend, like, rate all of those fun things um, that you do. Make sure you're following us on social media at bragging pod. That's bragging without the G um, Instagram has a weird new update. So I'm trying to figure out how to optimize that so that uh, maybe we'll get more videos up on the feed for you. So you don't miss our content since uh, Instagram sees, seems to be doing away with the picture uh, function of, uh, of the app. So uh, make sure you're following us so you don't miss any of the content. I'm um, scheming, scheming Pierce. Um, we'll be back next week. Love just it. one episode next week, big 10, and then we'll hit you with the sec. We'll do our previews and then it's time. We're off to the races. It's time for the 2022 season to kick off. It'll be here before you know it. I'm super duper excited. Um, and I'm gonna have to start really thinking about what I think is going to happen in the season. I had Oklahoma winning the whole dang thing last year. Um, so we saw how that went. Not great. Not well, great. I had Clemson. Both, <laughs> both not great. I think and I, I had BJ and I had the BJ Uyunglele to yep. win the Heisman. <laughs> I think I did as well. Doesn't get much worse than yeah. that. Whew. Two not Boy. great predictions. Those didn't age well. Hopefully, we'll be better this year. All right, that's going to do it for us. We will see you next week. But until then, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all. <laughs>